0: and maybe Habs fans. I'm your host Rick Seligman from the YouTube channel Talk at Habs. So the Habs bowed out to the Flyers in 6 games and I really I want to do a round table next week on that and kind of break it all down down. So uh but for today uh for this episode we're going to talk about a bunch of different topics. It's hard to get everything in one episode, so uh we'll touch on um, the French question here in Montreal. Mark Bergevin, uh, Nick and KK, going to give some player grades, uh, talk about the Niskanen hit, of course. Who's going to talk about the Niskanen hit on Gallagher? And um, the way the Department of uh, Player Safety handled it, and there's maybe even a little more if we've got time. Uh, but first, I'd like to remind everyone that you can listen to the podcast here on Anchor, uh, but you can also find us on um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple. And you can leave a review and uh, and give a rating there on Apple. And there's a, a, pretty much wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, you can find it. So, all right. I'd like to introduce my guests on today's podcast. Uh, no, it's only one podcast, not podcasts. Uh, so, first, we have uh, Scott Coxworthy. You can find him on YouTube. Uh, that's at Open Ice Hits with Scotty 2 Hockey. He's from Newfoundland. Uh, we're gonna have Jeff Head. He's a subscriber to my YouTube channel, talking Habs, and he can tell you more about himself in a minute. He's from Nova Scotia, and we're gonna have Morgan Burton. Uh, let me see now. Morgan wrote his own uh, his his own intro, so wait, give me a second here. <laughs> he's a lifelong, diehard Habs fan and loyal subscriber to my channel. He's on Twitter. You can find him at Morgan Burton, and he's gonna be wintering in Central America. So, all right, he wrote that himself. Okay, so we're going to,
1: Scott, tell people anything I didn't say about yourself. Say hi. Uh, like Morgan said, I'm a diehard Habs fan. I got my own YouTube channel. I'm almost at 600 subscribers now. I've been doing it for roughly a year. I do game reviews. I do uh, mock drafts, prospect, prospect breakdowns. I did a Nick Suzuki video the other day. Hockey card breaks, among other things. Pretty much, if you're interested in hockey and you're interested in Montreal, you should check out my channel. All right, Jeff, you're up next.
2: I'm just a HAB fan growing up in Nova Scotia and just have a passion for the team.
0: Awesome. Just like all of us, that's for sure. Hopefully people listening too. Morgan, you're up next.
3: So I am originally from Cape Breton, uh, Sydney River, Cape Breton. This is Morgan Burton, by the way. I uh, studied journalism in Fredericton. Uh, One reason I went there was to be close to the Ferdinand Canadiens, who left the year I got there in 1999. I ended up working in in the oil sands for 12 years. I do a lot of freelance work now, and uh, I have some rental property in Guatemala. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well... Great. I'm glad everybody is here tonight, and we're going to start with uh, saying to the people listening, if you want to leave a recorded question that we will get to on as early as the next podcast, uh, you just go to our page on Anchor, um, the main page there. I think, I'm not sure exactly, because I haven't done it, but you, it gives you an option, and you can leave a recorded question, and we'll include it in a podcast. We'll, people will hear your voice and everything, and we'll... Um, Hopefully, we'll get a bunch of questions like that. Okay, so we're going to get right into everything because uh, we've got a lot to cover, and we don't want to keep these people too, too long. Okay, so at the press conference to announce, uh, quote, Juliet's health event, um, I had said a, a heart attack. I don't really think it was one, so I'm just going to call it a health event. So, and to announce Kirk Muller as the interim Coach Mark Bergevin apologized for the fact that Kirk Muller didn't speak French. Now, this didn't sit well with me. I even wrote um, something I was going to read in this podcast, but um, I thought about it and maybe it's just a little too much for it. And I don't want to get too political, but this didn't sit well with me. It's been something that's been going on for a long time here and it was ignored pretty much completely by the by the media i find i was very disappointed that i didn't see any of the media take this up at all so did this bother you guys at all and um when it was said and what is your um okay your oh, okay that's a different word what is your opinion about the french question in montreal montreal hockey and uh how does it all make um how does it
1: all how does it make y'all feel As an English hockey fan. And we'll start with Scott on that one. Uh, To be honest. It doesn't really bother me at all. Whether the coach speaks French or not. Because I'm from Newfoundland. I don't speak French myself. I prefer that the coach don't speak French. So I don't have to see half the interviews. Where he's speaking half French. Half English. I can see I would piss some fans off in Montreal, some French fans, because it almost makes it seem like French fans only want a French coach. But I'm sure there's the majority of Montreal fans out there in Montreal that speak French that don't care whether the guy speaks French, English, Portuguese, whatever he speaks. They just want a winner there. And the way Marc Bergevin is making it sound is he don't care if they're a winner, how good they are. He's not going for the best coach. He's going for the best coach that's bilingual. And I can understand how that would affect Montreal fans, how it would piss them off. But for me personally, it doesn't bother me at all. He can speak whatever he speaks, as long as he leads this team to Stanley Cup eventually. That's my opinion on it. Yeah, I tend to
0: agree. I don't really care what the coach speaks. There's translators for that, so I don't. Know, I'll give you my opinion in a sec. So next up, Morgan. Let's give your opinion I think
3: Scotty here. might be misunderestimating the passion uh, here in Quebec for French and French culture and the French language. Uh, Just as an example, I was at an English comedy show last night on the Boulevard Saint-Laurent, and uh, it was in English, and a drunk French man walked by and screamed, this is Quebec, speak French in French, right? So although we might be limited with our options, I think it's a necessity in Quebec for the team to have a Quebecois coach.
1: Yeah, but what I have to counter with that one is they want – the Quebec fans want a Quebecois coach, but the majority of Montreal fans aren't just in Quebec. If you added up all the English fans, I guarantee you they outweigh the French fans because there's way more Canadian English-speaking Canadians in Canada than there is French. There's only one bilingual – well, there is other. Like Ottawa, a lot of people speak French and stuff like that. But there's just as many English fans as there is French fans. And I guarantee you, they don't care whether the, French, whether the coach speaks English, whether he speaks French, whether he speaks whatever language. They just want a winner in Montreal. And by only being able to select bilingual coaches, it, it narrows, it limits you to what you can pick, and it leaves other coaches out there that could potentially bring you a Stanley Cup. That's just my opinion. I, I'm In Montreal, I'd like to see winners. But I understand French fans' passion, French fans in Quebec being like, oh, this guy's from the mainland, this guy's from... Wherever he's from BC, we don't want him in Quebec. But the, all the rest of the provinces are just saying, just bring in a guy who can win. Just bring in a guy who gets the job done. And personally, myself, myself, I think Claude Julien is that guy. I like Claude Julien as the coach. I don't think they should fire Claude Julien as the coach. or the, I, I like Mark Bergevin as the general manager. But if they're going to fire either one of them, I don't care whether they speak French or English, as long as they're a winner. That's just my point. My, my thoughts on it. Jeff, you're up next. What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, the day it happened the press conference it bothered me but after a few days it it didn't bother me because i thought about it more and i get a minority wanting to keep their culture and the french is a major part of the montreal canadians it was what made them great for so long was the french connection and I can see them wanting to keep that, and it's real easy easy as a English minor or majority to be annoyed with a minority pushing back to keep their culture. Um, I get it, but at the same time, I still think they should be looking for the best man for the job. Right now, I kind of I agree with Scotty. I think Claude Julien is the best guy. I don't think there's anybody out there right now that's better than him that they could replace him with. So at the time it bothered me, but after a couple days, I was like, I get it. A minority wants to keep their their culture. And it's a big part of the Montreal Canadiens. It always has been. The Montreal Canadiens wouldn't be su- as successful as an organization as they are without... What, what they had in the past with French players coming to that team.
0: I, I don't disagree with that completely, but listen, I grew up here my whole life, um, except uh, the first four years of my life. I was in the States here. I've been here for over 50 years.
1: It's only why, um, it's only why you can remember so, that counts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I've had this, I've lived this question. I don't disagree that uh, um, um, the major- the minority wants to keep their culture and all that stuff, but poli- this is only done for a political reason. This is only done for a political reason. It started with the, uh, the movement in 1976 when the PQ won. Before that, it, I don't ever remember ever hearing how important it was to have a French coach after 1976, all of a sudden, it was important. So I know for a fact that this is political only. And it's ridiculous because it's robbed us of the best coaches at times. I don't disagree about Claude Julien right now, and especially if you're really looking for a French coach, I don't disagree that he's the best guy here, especially that. But over the years, this has been a problem. Just It bothered me because... Why did he feel the need to single that out? And but I I know why. He was just – I don't blame him. I don't blame Bergevin. He was trying to uh, deflect because he knew what was coming if he didn't. So he was trying to stop them from saying anything about Kirk Mahler and this and that. He just stopped it. I get it. But it's the need to do that that bothers me. Uh, But like uh, like Jeff, I was going to do it when I did my next video. I was going to put it in, and by luck – I did a couple of takes, and they didn't work. I did the third take and left it out. I just just left it out, and I said, well, that's a sign. It wasn't supposed to be in. So I haven't talked about it. And I could say a lot worse, but like Jeff, I kind of calmed down on it. But it is purely political. That's my opinion, and that's pretty much what i got to say about that. Now, on that subject, my dog agrees, by the way. Uh, by the way, people listening, I recorded my living room and – my dog has friends outside, and she might bark at them sometimes. Hopefully with the headphone microphone, won't his back. So, there are some good French-speaking coaches available right now. Now, I said that, and then when I went to look, I didn't find too many. There's Gerard Galland. Pretty much, that's it. Bruce Boudreau. I don't know, think I want him here. And then there's laughably Mike Babcock, which <laughs> he's not coming here. Um, do you think Claude Julien's job is safe? And who would you replace him with, if anyone? This time we're going to throw to Jeff first.
2: I think he's safe. The only reason he would leave the team, I think, would be for health reasons at this point. Um, who's he going to? Re- who would they replace him with? Uh, it, it would have to be in house. I think they got two or three guys on that bench right now that would probably step into that role, or uh, the guy down in the AHL. I really don't see them going after another NHL head coach, they've pretty much used every French guy at some point and fired them. So to me, I think they're set where they're at. Claude Julien is a proven winner, even though my issue with him is that he doesn't like to play young players, but he's kind of enforced he has to. It's all he has. He doesn't have veterans. So I, I really don't think they're going to move on from Claude Julien anytime soon. It would have to be pretty catastrophic of a failure like this season was going to be before I think they would think about moving him out.
3: Yeah, that, that I kind of agree with that. Okay, Morgan, you're up next. Well, I, I hope Claude comes back next year and he's healthy. Um, I don't think Kirk Muller is capable. Uh, what, what has he done with the power play? He's had years and years to fix his power play and he's done nothing. He looks good in a suit, but uh, I don't trust him as a head coach. Possibly uh Dominique Ducharme could step up uh, in an interim basis. But uh hopefully Claude comes back healthy next year.
0: Yeah, good. I agree with that. I mean I
1: I I definitely agree with that. Scotty, you're up. Well that's an obvious answer. You gotta bring in Babs to save Babs. No, uh, honestly, though, I think Claude Julien, his job is safe as long as he comes back from his health issues. And if if by some chance Claude Julien don't decide to come back from his health issues, who knows? This could be more serious than we know. Montreal don't let a lot of information out. Uh, I like Dominic Duchamp. I like what he did with the World Junior team a couple of years ago. I like the way he thinks. He's an innovative coach. He is the type of coach who will play young players. He's grown up around younger players, uh, coaching younger players. And I just like how how the game is changing. Certain younger coaches are changing. A lot of these older coaches have the mindset like you got to play the veterans. You want to give them their ice time. You want to keep your leaders happy. But a lot of younger coaches are you want to play the most talented player, whether it's disrespecting the veterans or not. And Duchamp is that kind of coach. I'm not saying by any means he's a better head coach than Claude Julian. But if Claude Julian doesn't come back next year, I don't think the Habs have to go out and look for a new head coach. I think they got a guy in their system that's perfectly capable of doing it. And that's just my opinion. They could go with the guy in the AHL. But myself, personally, I'm a fan of Dominic O'Shaughnessy's coaching style. I've liked him ever since the World Juniors, and I followed him in his junior career, and with the Habs, he's a good coach.
2: I agree, Scotty. Yeah I'm w- sorry, Rick. Yeah,
1: I would agree- you know, it's okay, don't worry. I would agree with that. Um, it's funny,
0: We're not. Gonna, no one's going to disagree on this. I think Julian's job is safe, uh, personally. I think he's doing a good job. Um, like, uh, was it Jeff said that uh, he doesn't really work well with kids, but he's going to have to because that's what we got. But, when you think about it, uh, his job might even be more secure because once these kids start to mature, now he's working with older players, so he could even be here longer than a lot of people think. I also think that because of the success that they had which was success in the playoffs that it has changed a few people's opinions of him um, and how the team is and we're going to lead that right into the next question because there is so much hate or like even just dislike there has been up until they went into the rtp for mark bergevin so do you think uh, that'll change after this playoff run and the emergence of Nick Suzuki and KK? People can actually see it, and they don't have to be like, oh, it's down the road. You can actually see what's coming now and, um, and the bright future ahead for the Habs. And has your own opinion of him and the work that he's done changed? So we'll go back to uh, – no, Morgan, you didn't lead off yet. Morgan, you're up. Okay, I
3: think it's a make or break off season for Marc Bergevin. He's got two years left on his contract. Uh, there's some easy decisions with the UFAs. Uh, Dale Weiss, Christian Follin, and Keith Kincaid are all Finnish, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the big problem looming is next year. A lot of UFAs, a lot of big names. Uh, Gallagher, Daniel, Tatar, Armia, Petrie, Wheel, Lekanen, all UFAs after next year. That's going to be an issue, uh, Max Domi. I think we can talk about him. He's got he's an RFA. I don't see him coming back. I don't think he performed well this season. He had terrible playoffs. He could be part of a package deal, but what I expect from Mark Berger then is a big splash uh, this off season. And I'm hoping for Patrick Lining to become uh, the fourth fin on the team. And to be that sniper that we desperately need. We got shutouts against Philly. We need a scorer. Caulfield's not ready. Uh, Line A would be a great fit for this team.
1: Uh, Scott, you're up next. Well, when you look at Mark Bergevin, when he came to Montreal, the team he inherited was an older team. They had a good carry, they had carry price in that. He was basically covering up for all the team's flaws. Mark had to came into a team he had to fix. And a lot of the hate for Mark Bergevin stems from the Subban trade, from the Pacioretty trade, from the draft picks he's made. But when you actually look at what this guy's done, he's been a good beginner. He got Nick's as Thomas Detar and picks for Max Pacioretty. Thomas Detar has been our leading scorer the past few years. Nick Suzuki's probably going to be our best player for years to come. And I believe that pick turned into Norlander or another good second-round pick. He found Romanoff. Norlander. Uh, he found Romanoff late in the draft, and Norlander is looking like a beast in Sweden. He, he drafted Caden Premiu in the seventh round, and now Caden Premiu is like a world-class goalie prospect. He was one of the, he was the NCAA's top goalie, and Mark Bergeran drafted that guy in the seventh round. He traded Max Domi for Alex. Alex Galchenyuk, everybody said that the Habs lost that trade. Everybody said that they lost the Subban-Weber trade. Well, but now Alex Galchenyuk's no longer with the team he got traded to. Weber is still with Montreal and he's a big part of Montreal. He's their captain. And Alex Galchenyuk is no longer with their team. And Max Domi had 73 points with Montreal. So Mark Bergman has made a lot of good moves. A lot of criticism for this guy comes from the Suban Weber trade, comes from older moves he made that at the time people were saying, Are you ridiculous? That's a bad trade. You lost that. From his older draft picks, when people say, When he drafted Kakanyemi, people said he was a bust, but now Kakanyemi looks like a star in the playoffs. I like Mark Bergman as a GM. I just think he gets a lot of unfair criticism and at the time it did seem warranted, but you look at what this guy's done and what it's turned into. Look what he traded he traded uh Dale Wees for somebody and in return he ended up getting Philip Deneau and Romanoff back. Like for a pick that got him Romanov. So it, it's crazy what he got what, what this guy's done. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh Jeff, you're up next.
2: Uh Burzman, he's uh He's a guy. He's a character. He's he's he he's the type of person that I think is smart enough to use the people under him, and he is. Um, he's he's listening to his scouts. He he has a keen eye for knowing to evaluating undervalued talent, in my opinion, and that's what he's good at. He's good at finding the role players. The problem that he's taking so much heat for is he has not brought in a big star. Yes, Kotkaniemi and Suzuki look like they're going to be those players, but Kotkaniemi, up until three weeks ago, none of us really thought we were all second-guessing that pick. I, 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 most Hab fans had to be. I know I was. I was like, God, the guy can't stand up. He's falling down all over the place out there. Um <laughs> Like I think Cotton I I think our expectations are still too high on him. I think he can be a good, good player. I think he can be a solid player, like a, maybe like a Trevor Linden, Shane Corson type of player. I don't think he's going to be a Matt Sundin or somebody that's going to lead your franchise. Nick Suzuki, on the other hand, I think he, he could, he could be that type of player. And Hey, to get him for Pacioretty, I was never a Patcheretti fan. I, I never, never was a fan of that guy. Um, the Max Domi trade, that was excellent, but it's also starting to look like it was a flash in the pan as well. But if you can dump them off and get something else of value for him, that's what Bergevin's good at. He, he's good at finding value and, with the cap the way it is and what we're heading into with the cap I think he's the right guy for the job because he does defer to, his, to, his, to the people underneath him he he listens to them it's obvious that he does uh, Timmons is right there by his side at every draft at talking about these prospects constantly um, can Bergevin win a cup <sighs> that's the part I don't I don't know. I think someone else at some point is going to have to take up the mantle for him. I think he can build a strong team of role players. I don't know if he's – if it's not really even him, though. I don't know if the city will ever bring in a superstar that they didn't develop and draft themselves, and that's – is that – his problem or is that the city's problem is that Montreal's problem I really expect something big this summer but I expected it last summer too and we didn't get it we got Nick Cousins that was, that was our big move last year Nick Cousins really like I don't know like it's kind of scary when you think about it like he had all the pieces to be able to move to get something big last year and he didn't there was rumors of Line A, and there was rumors of a few things, but I don't think there were anything more than just rumors. If he can pull something like that off, like maybe a Tarasenko or like like uh, Morgan said, Line A, who would look awesome on the other side of the power play with Weber, like that would be amazing. That's the type of player I think they need to go get, and I think he empty out the the overstocked players. Like they have, they have. They're holding on to players. I think that are going to eventually, and so I think some of them are devaluing now. If they had us said, "Hey, Ryan Paling, maybe we can turn him into a into a star forward like Line A. we package him together with with another guy like like Domi." And can, I, you, can I you stop us, you there? Yeah, no,
0: cause Jeff, can can I just stop yeah. you there for a sec? We're going to talk about that in the next segment okay. more. You're kind of drifting into something. We're going to talk. That's yeah, the no only plan. reason I'm stopping you is because we're going to probably. I don't want to double talk about it, but because we there is a question that I think that that'll cover. So, if you don't mind, because we don't want to go too. Far. Yeah, no problem. So, sorry okay. about that, but. And the host's job. Okay, I'm just going to give my quick opinion, and then we're going to move on to the next question. So, um. Okay, I have an interesting take on something that actually, Jeff, you said. It's hard for him to get these top-line players, and um, we're going to have to, um, did you say, get like draft one or whatever. You know, in Montreal, when Montreal's not a winner, you can't get free agents interested to come here, mainly because of the tax situation, especially, you know, because of Quebec. So it's hard for him to get free agents. That's one of the reasons why he can't. As far as for making trades, there could be any number of reasons why he's not pulling those. It could be him. It could be a lot of things. But as far as for free agents, we're not getting them until Montreal starts to to become a winner. And I think we're on the verge of doing that. Now, as far as Mark Bergevin, the question, I'm going to actually now answer the question. (laughs) Um, I actually do think that People's opinion of Mark is going to change because they are – I believe next season we're not going to be struggling nearly the same way. We're going to see a better team. I think he's going to make some moves. I don't know if it's going to be the big splash, but he's going to make some moves. It's going to be a better team. We're going to contend, if not only contend, but actually – slide comfortably into the playoffs. That will instantly make people like Mark Bergevin a lot better here in Montreal. Believe me, I know this. We're very fickle fans here, and and that's the way it works. I do think people can see Suzuki and KK and how much the future is bright here. And I think that um, that um, that's, is going to make people like him a lot more. He's going to have to make a really bad trade, trade somebody away, get a guy back that's not going to perform. Until, or lose or like we do we miss the playoffs next season but i think people's um uh opinions of him have changed already and um i i think though just as easily one bad move and he's back to the to the shit pile that's how it works here in montreal okay Next question, because I want to get through this to the end of this first segment soon so that we can stay on time. Uh, Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kokenyemi, that's KK, to the surprise of many, have really emerged in their playoff time so far. Suzuki, though, a little less of a surprise, I think, than KK because of the situation that they were in. Um, So what does this mean for Montreal going forward? And uh, do you think this will make them a playoff team next season? and perhaps even a challenger for the cup. And I know I I can already hear Jeff in the Google. No, no. So I'm going to lead with Jeff. What do you think on that?
2: I think they're set down the middle. I think they've got four centermen right now, including Jake Evans that can, they're good. I think, I think they're set. The problem is the wing. They, they need scoring. That's what it boils down to more than anything with this team. They need to be able to put the puck in the net. And, however they get that that's what they have to get this off season if um, tatar shouldn't be your leading scorer that to me that's what it boils down to tatar should not be the leading scorer gallagher shouldn't be the leading goal scorer really he shouldn't be he should be your number 2 option he would be on any other team that was a contender in the league i love the guy i love the way he plays Really, he should be on your second line. If you get Suzuki on your top line with with a bona fide real all-star goal scorer, this team's a lot, lot, a lot better. I think they they are a playoff team next year. We have to remember that they traded away their fourth line and one of their deep in Skandela before the trade deadline. They basically ran through Pittsburgh with three lines. So, they're on the right track.
0: Hey, they didn't just basically run through them with three lines. They did. I mean, that fourth line, they, it was, I don't know, it didn't do anything. It was wasted, if you ask me. Okay, Morgan, what do you think about this?
3: I think they're going to be a better team next year. Uh, I think they'll make the playoffs, maybe finish fourth to sixth in the conference. It's a solid team, but like Jeff said, we need that sniper, and uh, there's so much parity now in the league, right? Look like St. Louis was dead in January, and then they won the cup, right? I think as long as they can get in, they can do some damage. If Price is standing on his head, if everybody's healthy, I mean, I think they they should have beat Philadelphia. Uh, Probably would have lost to Tampa Bay in the next round, but this, this team can get in and get better and stay healthy. They can do some damage.
0: Definitely agree with that. Uh, Scotty, what do you think?
1: I think they'll be a lot better next year, but there are things that you definitely need to fix. I think Nick Suzuki will be a big part of next year. I expect them to take the joint jump from like a. Uh guy who was on pace for around 50 points this year to probably a 65, 70-point player next year. It wouldn't be no stretch for him to reach that. I think Philip Deneau will eventually get bumped to the number two or number three center. Suzuki will jump in that number one center spot. He seems like the type of kid that's ready to go next year and ready to take off and have a huge year. He really exploded in the playoffs. He was really coming on at the end of the season last year for Montreal. So I like him there. I agree with the guys that Montreal needs a sniper, and one reason why they do need a sniper is on the power play. That's a reason why their power play sucks so much. They can set up the power play, they can create, they can come in, but they just can't finish. You look at half the guys' shooting percentage on the team, a guy like Arturi Lekkonen. If Arturi Arturi Lekkonen could finish... A bit more, like have a little bit better of a finishing percentage. He would have like 20 goals a year for sure because he gets tons of opportunities, so they just can't finish. But as far as next year goes, I do expect him to be a better team. I expect Alexander Romanoff to definitely help the left side of the defense. I expect the Bergevin to make some moves in the offseason to strengthen the left side of the defense because the right side is pretty solid with Weber and Petrie. I don't expect him to bring in depth players like he did last summer. I do expect him to make a bit of a bigger move. Alainé a or somebody like that. Maybe not, but it wouldn't shock me to see him bring in like a, uh, a mid, mid-end mid talent. Not not a Patrick Lonnie, not a high-end guy, but a guy that's going to come in, maybe play second line right wing or something like that. And it wouldn't shock me if Max Domi gets moved too. But if Domi does stick around, I expect him to have a much better season than what he did this year. And the same thing with Jonathan Drouin. Jonathan Drouin was playing excellent at the beginning of last year. He was was coming on like people expected him to play. He was finally showing his potential. And then he got hurt, and then he struggled. And he struggled a bit in the playoffs, and then he had a good few games at the end of the playoffs. So I expect him to be a lot better next year. So overall, with all that combined, I do expect him to be a playoff team. But unless they get a way better power play, they bring in a superstar player, these – Prospects develop. We like we expect them to develop. I don't expect them to be a contender anytime soon, but a playoff team next year—that's that's no stretch. I do expect them to be a playoff team next year. I'd be let down if they don't make the playoffs next year. That's basically how I see it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So for me, um, going forward, I think um, I think they're a playoff team next year as well. Um, I don't know that they're going to be a challenger for the cup unless it's one of those seasons. You know, like anything, anything is possible to happen, uh, you know, like St. Louis. Uh, Well, I thought maybe Montreal this year. You never know. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, like uh, I remember who said down the middle, down the middle there is – it's a different team down the middle now. And we need to go out there and – although we'll talk about this, I guess, uh, uh, next segment. But, yeah, we got to get some scoring. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to answer the question more directly that I think there'll be a playoff team, but I'm not sure they're a contender or a challenger for the Cup just yet. But I don't know if it's way down the road, as Scotty just said. I think in the next couple of years. Okay, last question of this segment. Uh, most playoffs produce a surprise or two, uh, and this year's no different. Uh, so, first, um, have you guys been watching – uh, any of the other series. Cause honestly, I have watched a little bit, but not nothing consistently, uh, that I can really talk about any series with any, um, knowledge really. So which series, if any have surprised you and have any players really impressed you so far at this point? And we'll go, we'll start with, um, I'm not sure I'm supposed to start with, uh, I'm going to just go to Morgan first.
3: As long as Boston doesn't win, I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> Once the once Montreal gets knocked out, I, I really lose a lot of interest. Um, it's the teams I hate most. I want to lose. I hate Boston, of course. Not a big Philly fan or Tampa Bay. So I guess if I had to choose, I Vancouver would be all right, or even Colorado to win the Cup is who I'm rooting for. But uh, honestly, my interest drops off the cliff once Montreal gets knocked out.
0: Okay, next up,
1: uh, I'll go to Scotty. Uh, for me, I was watching the Habs versus Arizona round in round one as well as the uh, Habs and Philly, of course. But, man, Habs absolutely took it to Arizona. They smashed them in the last two games, had 14 goals in the last two games. Nazan Kadri has like 11 points or something in the playoffs already. Nathan McKinnon has 17 points. He's the leading scorer in the playoffs. Cale McCarr is just insane on the blue line. He has the goal of the year so far, the playoff goal of the year so far at least. Uh, that's one I was paying close attention to. The Avalanche are definitely a contender this year. And just like Morgan said, those are the two teams I would like to see win the club. Besides Montreal, my favorite team is the Vancouver Canucks. Besides the Montreal Canadiens, of course, the Habs are far and away my favorite team. And I always liked Colorado because I watched them growing up when they were a powerhouse, when they had Joe Sackett, Peter Forsberg, and Patrick Waugh. They had a lot of my favorite players on their team, so I always watched Colorado as a kid. So those are two teams I'm going for. But as far as interest goes, I'm not sitting home like, oh, I got to watch this hockey game is a series on i like like if dallas is playing or colorado or vancouver or a team i like is playing i'll watch it if it's on but i'm not going to go out of my way to watch the series when montreal was still active i was watching the avalanche series too because i was hoping in my mind in the back of my head that somehow montreal and colorado would meet up and play for the cup so i was watching both of those teams closely but unfortunately it didn't happen and colorado has a really good chance of winning the cup that's who i'm going to pick as the cup winner if i was picking a winner it would be colorado
0: yeah, I had them, um, I think. Uh, Colorado and Washington. Okay, so next up, uh, Jeff. Hello? Jeff?
2: Okay. Uh, yep.
0: Jeff, you're, you're up.
2: <laughs> My interest has dropped big time. I, I think I overdosed on hockey for the last two weeks. But I don't want, I, I don't want to root against Vancouver because I really love how that team was built. And I think it's the template for the Montreal Canadiens. Like, you, you got it, that's the template. So I'm really interested in them. But I also don't want another Canadian team to win the cup before Montreal does. So the Avalanche, I, I root for just because of Nathan McKinnon. He's from an hour and a half up the road. So that's – I kind of pay attention to him. And as far as – I don't want to see the Bruins win. I don't. I, th- I hate the way they play hockey. My pick to win the cup last year, my two teams were the Avalanche and the Islanders. It didn't work out last year. Maybe it's going to be this year. I didn't pick the Islanders in the East, but you never know. It might be this year. I think. It, yeah, they took out. What? Yeah, they took out Washington, which I didn't expect them to. I yeah. figured Washington would have come back because they were such a veteran team that the rest would <laughs> really have helped them. And it didn't. It didn't at all. They didn't, they look like they were going out for ice creams after the game, whether they won or lost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So it's me now. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, I, I like, I don't disagree at, uh, on that either. Um, so for me, I kind of, I, my surprises, cause I didn't really watch usually when the halves get knocked out, Like everybody, it seems here. Uh, Yeah, my interest wanes a little bit. Um, I'm only following anything now at all because of the channel. And I didn't have a channel before. I didn't really. Okay, so my surprise teams, though, were I was surprised how Edmonton uh, lost to Chicago. Now, I did say at some points that Chicago, with their veteran, they could win and all that. But I was still surprised. I, I don't know. I was expecting more from Edmonton. I'm surprised as hell and happy as hell that Vancouver beat St. Louis. That kind of shocked me. And I really like Vancouver. Like Jeff says, they are really um, that's a good team to look at how they're put together. Uh, the Caps losing to the Islanders also shocked because I had them in the, to, to make it to the finals. I didn't think the Islanders could do that, but maybe the Caps are a little too old now. You could be catching up to them. And I was surprised, although happy, about at how bad Toronto looked losing to Columbus. That kind of made me happy. So, uh, But I was still surprised by it. I didn't think they'd look that bad uh, to losing to Columbus like that. So, uh, yeah, as far as players, I didn't watch enough players individually. So my surprise player so far is KK. I was not expecting him to look as good as he did, that he's back to being an NHL player. I disagree with Jeff a little on KK, but I also don't think he's going to be that superstar uh, better player than Nick Suzuki that everyone thought at first. Um, but I was surprised and very happy to see that uh, he was looking really good. It didn't continue all the way through with uh, Philadelphia, the scoring side of it. but uh, And they were kind of fluky goals to start with when you think about it. So, But he looked a lot better So those are my surprise guys. Um, Okay. So uh, we're at the end of this first segment. So we're going to take a quick break here, gather our thoughts for the next segment, and then we'll be right back with segment two. So thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you on the other side. right, everybody, so we're back from our break. Uh, We're just waiting for everybody to get in the room. Just waiting on Morgan. So we're going to start off in the break with a little bit, uh, I guess it's a little bit lighter than what we were talking about first, so still Morgan's not back in here. Uh, We're going to talk about grading some of the Habs players. For the 2019-20 season, and we will include the um, return to play as part of that upgrading. Good, Morgan's in. So, uh, Morgan, you missed that. We're going to do the grading part. Uh, give them some grades for the um, the past season, including the return to play. So, uh, we're gonna. We got ten names here. You can just give um, you know, a grade for it if you want to add a little bit into it, and then we'll, we'll go through everybody and we'll move on. So first one up here is Carey Price, and we're going to start with – I know he's his favorite player. <laughs> Scott, what do you think?
1: Uh, for Carey Price, I honestly didn't give Price the best grade. Uh, in 58 games played, he only had 27 wins, 25 losses, 6 overtime losses, which which doesn't surprise me because of the team that was in front of him. I wasn't sure what to expect of Montreal this year. I didn't guarantee that there would be a playoff team by any means. But his goals against is 2.79. His save percentage is down below in 9.10. He did have four shutouts. And it's just the unreliability of Price this season. He had months where he was great, where he put up over a 9.20 save percentage the entire month. He stole games for us. He posted shutouts. And then he had a couple games where he let in five, six in a row. And he had stretches where he was having four or five game stretches where he was letting in five goals per game. That's just not like Carey Price. The consistent Carey Price wasn't there. So I had to give him a B. It kills me to give Carey Price a B pretty much every other year besides 27 to 18 of his career. I would have gave this guy an A. But I got to give him a B this year. I, I wasn't impressed. And like Rick said, I'm his biggest fan. Okay, next did you, up. Did you Jeff. pick that up well? My 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 earpiece was my my, no. my mouthpiece was up on the air. Yeah, it didn't come in well, but you're much better now, so it's cool.
0: Okay, Jeff. You, uh, did I say Jeff? Jeff, you're up.
2: <laughs> I agree with everything Scotty just said. I gave him a B. Also, um, it was it was a shaky year because the defense was so shaky, but there was a lot of games where you were left going. What the hell is happening out there? Like, but I'll add a plus to it and give him a B plus because he was absolutely outstanding in that playing round and in this series against Philly. Even the goals that I thought were soft when you saw the replay, it was like, oh well, it went off a leg or it went off a stick. I don't think Philadelphia scored a clean goal on him in in that whole series. So I'll, I'll give him a B plus just because of what he did in the playing round and and against Philadelphia. Morgan,
3: you're next. I, you're, I have to say B minus. I was not impressed with Carey Price this year. Those eight game losing. Uh, granted, he didn't have a solid backup that he could depend on. I mean, Lindgren didn't look too great. Primo, I think, is our future. And uh, to be honest, I think that he looked lost sometimes, given up some huge rebounds, way out of position a lot. And uh, this might be controversial, but I hope that same way Marc Andre Fleury went to Vegas, Carey Price goes to the Seattle Kraken. That
0: is controversial. Very controversial. Definitely. <laughs> Okay, so for me, I will go with the B plus because um, I was going with a B. I thought maybe A minus, and I said, you know, because he really was so impressive in the return to play. I mean, it was really a dominating performance. Like Jeff said, there was barely a clean goal scored against him. And if you take away the ones that went in off uh, deflections off his own players and the Sherat piling in on top of him, interfering with him, he basically gave up, what, three goals? So, yeah, so uh, it makes up for a lot of it, so I'm going to go with a B-plus on that. Okay, next up, Ben Sherratt, and we'll lead off this time with uh, with Jeff.
2: I gave him a B-plus. I didn't think he was going to be as good as he was. I thought he was a B player before he even got to Montreal. So I'll give him a plus because he was asked to do something that he doesn't normally do. And he just played really well with Shea Weber. I think that, that that was a smart move to move him up. But it seemed like they were very reluctant to leave it that way. They always seemed to want to move someone else back into that spot when it was working quite well with those two players. I, the guy, like said, he he did a little bit better than I thought he would. So yeah, B plus.
3: Morgan, I thought he had a rough start. Finished strong, and he looked really good in the playoffs alongside Weber. Big solid body. Uh, I think he's he's a great player. I'm gonna give him a A minus. And
1: uh, Scott, uh, I'll give Sherrod. I was gonna give Shira a B. But factoring in these playoffs, I'm gonna give him a B minus because overall he did have a good first play in round, but he hurt Montreal a lot in this in this first playoff round. Not in the playoff not in the play in round, but against Philadelphia he hurt Montreal Montreal a lot. A few pucks went in off him. He was terrible in front of Carey Price, he was fouling into Carey Price. But as far as the regular season goes, I would have gave him like a B plus or an A, but I'm gonna average it out and give him a B. He did have twenty one points in the regular season, which is tying his career high in Winnipeg and he did it in less games than Montreal. He was a plus five. He ended up working his way up to the top line. Uh, he was solid in the regular season in front of Price and in the playing round, but man, in the Philadelphia round, he was killing me. Three or four pucks went in off him, like were caused goals by him. He was falling into Carey Price and, uh, I think he hurt the Habs more than he helped the Habs in that Philly series, myself personally. So for that, I'm going to have to give him a B. If he had to play well in this series as well, I definitely would have gave him an A because I was really impressed with his regular season. But uh, in the playoffs, I was just so frustrated with Chirat at many different times.
0: Okay, I'm going to go with an A. I'm a little more generous, I guess. Um, He he definitely was better than I would have thought coming into the season. And, um, yeah, I guess I'll forgive a little bit of the – Against the Flyers, he was making more mistakes and things like that. But I guess so were some of the other players as far as that not interfering necessarily with price, but, you know, getting in the way of the shots and causing those deflections. But I'm going to go with an A there. So next up is Weber
3: and uh, Morgan leads off on this one. I mean, it's WNA right? He was our leader or captain, um, score a lot of goals, uh, looking like a good trade. Uh, PK who? But uh, I wonder, you know, we shouldn't call this. I mean, so far, obviously, we've won that trade, but we have him for six more years. He's going to be almost 42, paying over $8 million a year. This could look bad in three or four years, but hopefully he's like a Chara-type big man who stays healthy and continues to play great, log tons of minutes, be the man-mountain that he is. Got to give him an A. Awesome. I
0: kind of agree with that. I'll give mine right now. Um, I give him an A minus, but only because I think he. I just, anyway. I think he was great. Uh, he he played better than. Um, here I'm stumbling over everything. Maybe I shouldn't have taken this set on second. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think he really played so well in the playoffs, and even during the season. I mean, he was he was getting the points. He was steady. Uh, even when he got hurt, he got hurt and he was, he'll was be out for like the season and he's back playing the next game. And um, yeah, so I uh, probably should be an A, but I'm
1: giving him an A minus. Uh, Next up would be Scott. I'm gonna give him an A+, because you look at what Shea Weber plays with. Other elite defensemen of his caliber play with good line mates, good top line defensemen. He's played with Victor Mekke and Ben Chirot. No disrespect to those players, but they shouldn't be number one defensemen on any team. That's what Shea Weber's playing with, and he's posting 36 points this year, a plus eight, leading the team in hits, hitting everything in sight, an 8.1 shooting percentage. He's our biggest power play threat from the blue line, even though the power play sucks. He's the captain. He's the leader. Every single game he shows up every player should uh, reflect his work ethic and for me he gets an A plus all around I love Shea Weber if he had better line mates he would be even more awesome than what he already is which is absolutely awesome Jeff you're up there
2: I gave him an A and the only reason it's not an A plus is because of the injuries if he could stay on the ice more then uh, he'd be an A plus but I think you're always going to be concerned with injuries with him from now on. And the fact that he came back after he was supposed to be out, like, that was, he, he was trying to drag the Montreal Canadiens to the playoffs. I th- He's a solid A.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he definitely did try, that's for sure. Okay, so next is uh, Xavier Willette, and Scott will lead you off on that. Uh, Are we saying Willette?
1: We did not get a real big sample size of Ouellette. He only played 12 games this year. He had two points. I like Wallet's speed. I like his battle. Good. I like how he jumps in on the rush sometimes and stuff like that. There are things I like about his game, but we didn't really see a lot of Xavier Ouellette. He only played 12 games for Montreal this year. He was good in the playoff games he did play. I liked what I seen from him for a defenseman. So for that, I'm going to give him a C. Okay, next up, uh Jeff. <laughs>
2: I didn't even give him a, a grade because I gave him an incomplete. I just didn't see enough of the guy.
3: Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Morgan. I'll go see minus. I mean, he's he's an RFA this year. I don't think we're going to offer him another contract. We've got a bit of a log jam on defense coming up this season. Uh, top four spots are taken. Fifth spot. I like Romanoff. And then the sixth spot is a big competition with Fleury, Juleson, Brook, Leskinen. I don't see him being a part of the, of the Montreal Canadiens' future. I'll give him a C-. minus. He looked okay in in the playoffs. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't see him. I just
0: thought I'd throw him in here for somebody different so we don't just talk about the same old people all the time. But I agree. I don't think he has a future here. I'm more generous than everybody. I'm giving him a B only because in the return to play, he played a little better than I really thought he would. Uh, he, I I was – he just played better than I thought he would. He handled it uh, okay. I, that's the best I would say. Like better than I would think Folan or somebody like that would have handled it. So that's why I gave him a B. So that's it. Okay. Next up, uh, Ryan Paling, and um, I think we're starting with Jeff on that one.
2: Big fat F. He started <laughs> a fat F. He he started out the season yeah. with a bad attitude, and he just never became now the expectations because of his four goal premiere set him up for failure as well but I just his attitude at the first of the year when he didn't make the team and then he got hurt and I he just he didn't impress me anytime he was on the ice yeah
3: I gotta agree with that um Morgan yeah same thing big f I mean we should have sold high on this guy in the off season. Right. But um, he didn't do well in Laval. He had 13 points in 36 games, only five goals, bad attitude, big fat F.
1: Scotty? Yeah, um, I'm not going to give him an F. I'm going to give him a mod. His paling was a bit overrated coming in uh, offensively anyways. He was never really a big offensive threat in the NCAA. He had that breakout performance in the World Juniors where he won the MVP and he had a hat-trick in his first game in the NHL last season for Montreal. So Everybody expected huge things from this kid. Uh, My expectations were maybe he could have been something more than what we expected, but offensively uh, it doesn't surprise me that he was as bad as what he was, especially at the NHL level. I didn't expect him to be that much of an offensive threat, but defensively and just skating-wise and work ethic-wise, he let me down a ton. I expected to see a lot better face-out percentage from this guy. He only had a 20% face-out percentage, a 3.8 shooting percentage, and just overall in every area, he let me down. The only reason I gave him a all D- is because in the a couple of games, he showed a, he showed nice speed. He showed nice nose for the net. He set up a couple of plays that didn't get finished. So I didn't want to give him a complete F because there were things I seen from him that I did like, very minor things. But overall, you got to give the kid a D minus. He was a complete letdown for the entire fan base this year.
0: I am giving him a D. Again, I'm the most lenient. But yeah, I agree. I mean, he um, he just didn't. Uh, he maybe that. That last game there, the last season uh, against uh, Toronto, you know, it was a bad thing because it, it seemed to go to his head or something. I don't know. Uh, I think he'll be in the, the AHL all next season. And um, he's not ready. It's uh, Plain and simple, he's not ready. Uh, so, yeah, I'm giving him a D there. So, now, the next one, I think we're all going to have the same <laughs> Nick Suzuki. And this time, uh, who are we leading off with? Uh, am I at Morgan? Oh, wait a second. One, two, three,
3: two. Great. So Morgan, this might be controversial, but uh, I'll give oh. him a B, a B plus. I think you know we have this conception that all is well that ends well, right? And he did very well in the playoffs, obviously. But if you look at his regular season, uh, third over a third of his points are power play points. He had the worst plus minus on the team at minus fifteen. He only scored thirteen goals in the seventy plus games. Uh, I know he's young, but he's getting. Lots of power play time. He's playing with Drew and Armia. I think he could have done better. He had a great playoff, and I, I think he has a high ceiling. But uh, overall, I'll give him a B plus
1: scotty for me nick suzuki i'm with morgan on that one i gave him the exact same grade of b plus i was thinking about giving him an a but then i looked at that plus minus minus 15 yes the team was horrible he was probably on the ice for a lot of goals against but he was still on the ice for a lot of goals against so i had to give him a minus 15 he was pretty solid in face off dot 46 percent decent shooting percentage 10 percent uh he was really good on the power play for the halves. five on five not as good as what he, certain games in the beginning of the season, he struggled five on five. At the end of the season, he seemed to come out of it and he was really good in the play-ins and the playoffs. So I gave the kid a B plus. He had a phenomenal rookie season. He put up 41 points in 71 games. Very respectable rookie season. Uh, so I'm going to have to give him a B plus. He got a better rookie season than KK and he played around the same amount of minutes. So uh, yeah, and I, he also kills penalties as well. So the kid definitely deserves a B plus.
2: Jeff, I gave him a B. Uh, I just felt uh, the first part of the season he he just he hovered around the outside a little bit too much. As the season went on, he he engaged more, but that's also not what he's there for. If he's going to be an offensive playmaker, he he's supposed to hang back. So he he's a very interesting player. I I I, I loved what I saw from him in the playing round and just in the playoffs and towards the end of the season, he, he was streaky though. He was a streaky player. He got all his points. It seemed like in one week. And then the next week he would only get one or two. And then he'd go another week where he'd only get one or two and then he'd get five the next week. So, I mean, that's just an inconsistency of a young player. Uh, he was a B for me.
0: For me, I guess I'm the most lenient. I gave him an A plus, to be honest with you. Um, a guy that nobody, most people didn't think he was going to even make the team. Uh, first of all, they played him on the fourth line for how, for uh, the, at, the, at the beginning. He didn't have a big opportunity to put up points. So I think considering all that, the way he's played, the way he's going to be a superstar in the future, the way he stepped up his game going into the playoffs, and when they were on the brink of elimination, he gave us best two offensive uh his best two games offensively. For all that, I think an A+, because I think this kid's going to be amazing. He's my favorite player, and I'm biased. And that's how it goes. <laughs> okay, next up is uh, Suzuki. I had a Suzuki KK. And we'll go with, uh, start with Scott.
1: For KK, I had, I had to give a- KK... A deep. And the red, like, he looked good in the play-ins In the playoffs, but when you're looking at his regular Seasons, what was expected of him, he put up 34 points as a rookie, everybody Expected him to progress this season, not regress A lot of people were saying he should put up around 50 points this year, expected him to move Up in the lineup, but instead he ended up Staying on the third line, he did nothing Impressive, he looked really good In the first three games of the season, he scored two Goals in the first three games of the season, and after That he was a complete ghost, and I can't Remember if it was Jeff or Morgan said it earlier He couldn't stay on his skates, he was getting knocked off the puck so easily. His puck control was terrible. He was making passes in his own zone. His hockey IQ just wasn't there. And he didn't look like a kid who belonged to play in the NHL. He didn't even look like an AHL player. I was so dis- did Scott
0: just Did Scott just leave? Aliens have taken Scott. Okay, we'll move on to Jeff until Scott gets back. Anyway. <laughs> Jeff? Jeff. Oh yeah, done? I'm
2: here. You're, you're coming Yeah, you too. can take over now. All right.
0: Uh oh, am I? Yeah. Uh
2: I gave him a D. He uh he played horrible this year. Um, like Scott said, he didn't look like an NHL player. He barely looked like an AHL player. Him and Paling had the same problem. They had high expectations put on them, and they didn't even come close to living up to them. He uh, he he didn't even him and Paling both didn't protect themselves out there at all. They they took bad hits against the glass. And you just can't do that at the NHL le- level. The fact that his skating was so bad where he was knocked around so easily, I, I just was not I was not a KK fan this year at all. I I, I hope this playoff really turns it around for him. If it wasn't for the playoffs, I would have gave him an F. No question.
3: Morgan. I have to agree with the uh, both gentlemen. He had a great playoffs. There's no doubt about that. Four goals in ten games. Uh, We've got to give him a little bit of rope. He just July, right? He's a very young player. I think he's going to add some weight. I think he's going to be uh... he has a very high ceiling. He's number three overall pick now he might be a very good sell high candidate i know that might sound crazy but um and we also have to give him some more rope because he was injured this year so i'll give him a solid c yeah that's what i've got him as with a C. I um i
0: think um he you know his skating was suspect like everyone says but he went out and he improved that uh he's starting mm-hmm. to show the kind of player that he's going to be. He's not a bust, obviously, at his age. And I think he had, uh, you know, the injuries and all that. you got to take that into account. But, yeah, he really he did underperform when he was kind of healthy. So, yeah, I give him a C overall. Yeah. Okay, next up is Max Domi. And we'll start off with um, – uh, Jeff, I guess. Who do we start off the last one? Jeff.
1: Anyway, Scott's not here, so start off. Jeff. Can you hear me? Am I here?
2: Uh, there you
1: he go. Oh, is. you're. am here. Yeah, back. I, okay. My, Scott. I, my headphone jack popped out by accident. I, I started, <laughs> okay, I started, no I said problem. I was back right away.
0: Okay, no problem. You're back, but uh, we're going on to the next one. We're at Max Domi. We're going to start with Jeff. Yeah.
2: I gave him a C. He, uh... he was. He was the, uh, some nights he was the best player on the ice. Some nights it was like he was out there playing against his own teammates. Just He's an emotional player, and sometimes I just feel like he's out there for himself, and it bothers me. Um, I just wish the guy would shoot. He doesn't shoot. He, I, and if playing center is that important to him, then I, he's to me, he's not even he's not top three center on the team right now, not with KK and Suzuki playing the way they played in the playoffs. Um, so if he's unwilling to move up to a wing, I, I think I just think he, he it was a big disappointment this year. I really do. It's, it's too bad because I think the city really could have embraced this kid. And I think he I think he's on his way out.
0: Yeah, I know what you're going with that for another episode because that just came up today. Uh, Morgan.
3: I mean, he was our third leading scorer in the regular season. Um, he had terrible playoffs. My God, he looked so yeah. bad. He should have stayed home for the playoffs. Uh, kind of tired the season a little bit. But he did have 44 points, 17 goals. Uh, I'll give him a B-. minus
1: it's Scott? For me, I gave Max Domi a C. Uh, like Jeff said, one thing that draws me crazy about Domi that he did in his first season, one thing I noticed about him in his first season, when he had the opportunity to shoot, he shot and he scored a lot of goals last season because of that. And there's so many opportunities where you see this guy in front of the net where he has a good shooting opportunity. I know he has a good shot. I know he can score. He has a better percentage of shooting and scoring than what he does passing. And he'll pass the puck off. And he does stupid things like take dumb penalties. He'll be behind the net and he'll be undisciplined and he'll be a about to break up a scrum and he'll lean off and punch somebody in the face and get a five-minute penalty or get a two-minute penalty and it hurts the team it hurt, it's hurt the team a lot this year they've lost games because of max Nomi penalties and for me it just let me down a lot this season he wasn't the player he was in his first season the chemistry between him and drew Ann that was there in the first year just isn't there anymore and uh I got to give Max Domi a C. It kills me to say it. I was really expecting him to be a big part of the Habs this year. I was expecting him to up his game, reach around 70 points a game. I even said it in my prediction video earlier in the season, and uh, it just didn't pan out.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I gave him a C plus though. But, um, yeah, he, he was just so unimpressive in the, uh, in the playoffs and uh, very disappointing. And, uh, yeah, not shooting enough. He needs to shoot more. <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, there's some new information out that I don't know if we want to get into here. We don't really have time. But, uh, yeah, Max Domi's future in Montreal seems to be suddenly, like out of nowhere, in doubt. So kind of weird. Um, next up, Jake Evans. And we'll start with Morgan on that one.
3: I'm going to steal a page from Jeff's book and give him an incomplete. I think he only played about uh, 10 or 12 games this year for us. 13 games, um, and he's getting, you know, fourth-line minutes, seven, eight minutes a game. I thought he looked pretty decent in the playoffs, actually, but he's a fringe player. Uh, He does score considerably well in the AHL. I see him as like a Laval taxi squad type player if there's an injury, but I don't think he's going to be a regular NHL player.
1: Scotty, it feels like this kid has been in the Habs system forever. He hasn't even he hasn't been a prospect that long, but it just feels like he's been in the AHL forever, and he's just been up and down.
2: Hello,
1: what happened there?
2: Did
0: he hit? <laughs> Who did we We know? lost
2: Scotty. I think
0: we lost. We lost Scotty again. Okay, well that's that. That's the beauty of the the uh, tech world. It doesn't always work. He must have hit a button on his phone, so he's going to be. He's out for the rest oh, of that's the second. Too bad. Okay. He's making uh, us
2: look good. He's got all the stats. <laughs> I, I know.
0: <laughs> okay, so Jeff, you're up next. Then. <laughs> uh,
2: I actually gave, I get, did give him a grade, but I agree with Morgan. It, it is an incomplete, but from what I did see of him, I gave him a B. He, uh, he was pretty impressive and he brings exactly what they need on the fourth line. A big guy that doesn't make too many mistakes and he he filled that role perfectly, as far as I can tell, when he got the opportunities. But like Scotty said, it, it seems like he's been with us forever, and we're. What did he play? Did you say more than ten games, twelve games, something like that? So yeah, it, it it for as long as he's been in the system, and him finally just starting to get a shot now, I, I think it's something for this kid to build on. I really do.
0: Yeah, I agree. I gave him a B+. Uh, I like him. I think uh, he's got some size. Um, it might have taken him so long to get here because he is was a seventh-round draft pick. So I think a seventh-round draft pick getting there to where he might even just – maybe he's just a fourth-line center, but I think that's pretty impressive. But I like his size. I like the fact that there's some offense to his game. That's for sure. And I think he could eventually uh, – Depending how he plays over the next few years, maybe even uh, stick around and move up in the lineup. You never know. But I, I like what he brought in the little time that he played here uh, this year. But yeah, I like it. I give him a B plus. Next up is the the last one um, and probably the most um, I don't know guy that's hated the most right now, Jonathan Drewan. And we'll start with. Um, Um, I don't know who... uh, I think we'll start with Jeff on that one. Because I don't know where we were.
2: Uh, I gave him a C plus. It could be a B just from his last two games. But it just seems like Drouin shows up when Drouin wants to show up. And he reminds me of Kovalev in a way that Kovalev had all the talent in the world but only played when he wanted to play. Drouin... Isn't quite. It's not like he doesn't want to play. I just think sometimes he doesn't have an idea what's going on out there. I think he just gets confused of what's going on on the ice, and I think teams can really, with their defensive scheme against him, can really mess him up. I, I just—he's got all kinds of talent. He's—he's he's the best player, best-looking guy in practice. It doesn't just always translate to the ice for him during a game. I think, yeah, I, exactly. I think true can be a excellent second or third option on this team. And I don't see him going anywhere. I think they will be keeping him. He, he could, he could, he'd be your, a, an A player if he wasn't in Montreal and he was on the second or third line and in, in Tampa Bay still.
0: Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I agree. I think I, um, okay. Well, I'll let Morgan go first actually. Sorry, well,
3: Drew is probably the most uh, frustrating player to watch. Uh, I think we all know he does have some skill. Uh, he did lose a lot of games this year. If he had played a full season, he would have had 21 goals, about 45 points. Not what you're expecting. Uh, we forget that you know he bas- basically got ran out of Tampa Bay. Eisman wouldn't play him. Um, of course, it was a bad trade, uh, and at 5.5 5 million for the next three three years. He's basically untradeable. Uh, he is a Quebecois, which helps the team a bit, I guess. But um, overall, very frustrating season. Uh, he had a decent playoff. He got a lot of secondary assists, I noticed. Um, six assists in 10 games plus one goal. So I'm going to give uh, Joanne a D. Hmm. Okay. I-, I gave him a B. I thought he got
0: started to get better there. There were a couple of really nice... Uh, he had some really nice moves uh, that were coming along in the last couple of games, so I I gave him that. In the beginning of the season, he was really good. He was doing everything that he should be the player we wanted to see. He gets hurt, comes back, and he looks like the other player again. So, yeah, frustration. You can look up frustration in the dictionary, and I think his picture might be there. Um, he reminds me so much of that guy in Goon, uh, the goon's roommate. Uh, so I, I can. Uh, every time I see him, I think of that. And um, yeah, I don't. He's like that. The guy. You coach him. You tell him what to do. He yeah, I'm gonna do it. And he goes out and he makes the mistake again. Yeah, okay, but you got to do it this way. Yeah, you're right, coach. I'm gonna do it that way. And he goes out and he makes that mistake again the same way. He just makes me think of that. And um, yeah, I gave him a B. Okay, we're off that five. That took. Uh, I just want to, to make
2: lot, one actually. more point about Drouin. Sure, he kills their entry into the zone <laughs> with those drop passes. I just yeah. it drives me nuts how much he does it, and the fact that he made one in the second last game set up Suzuki. I think it was. It's like, oh, you made one for thirty. Does that mean we're going to go another twenty nine <laughs> before you, you? Like, it just drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He has that way about him to do that. Okay, let's see if we can get these next two in. Well, without Scotty, we might be getting them in faster. Okay, in order for Montreal to move forward into contender status, there will have to be changes made to the roster without a doubt. So first off, what areas of the roster would you target this offseason? Um, who would you move out over the next two to three years? And I don't know if we have enough time. I'm going to ask this to Jeff. (laughs) Does anyone have any trade proposals worked out? Um, So in the interest of trying to keep this a little, this is going longer than I thought on this segment, a little shorter, uh, we'll start with uh, Morgan on on this one.
3: Well, team needs storing, right? It's pretty obvious. I think our core D is solid with Sherrod, Weber, Kulak, Kulak looked great, I thought, in the playoffs. And Petrie. Um, and plus we've got Romanoff coming up and Brook. So I think we could, uh, if we could snag some scoring, uh, possibly trade Byron, who was injured a lot this year. Uh, maybe move Leckinen. Uh I think we need to, up. we need a sniper, right? We need a lion type player. Maybe sell high on uh, Kokanyemi and trying to get uh, Line A in here. Uh, Another proposal, I know this sounds crazy, but uh, Carey Price, $10.5 million a year for the next six years. I think that Primo can handle the load. I think it's time to consider trading Carey Price, uh, possibly to the Seattle Kraken, is my conspiracy theory. That's close close to his home, right? He lives lives in Lower Mainland, B.C. So um, also, one more thing. They need a backup. Uh, Kincaid was a disaster, right? I've heard a rumor that uh, Corey Crawford, who's from Chateau Gay, uh, wants to finish his career with the Montreal Canadiens. He would look really good in a Montreal Canadiens jersey as a solid backup. Give Carey some, some more time off. I mean, he plays way too much. Uh, that's something that... Uh, actually, the market is pretty full for UFA goalies. Uh, Craig Anderson... Uh, Ryan Miller, Cam Talbot, Brian Elliott, the aforementioned Corey Crawford, local boy. Uh, those are just a couple mm-hmm. ideas I have for the next couple seasons.
0: Awesome, Jeff,
2: you're up. <laughs> wow, trade Carey Price. That's a move you make when you're that's your last season as GM. Um. I I I can't see that happening. The only way I could see Price leaving is if they could somehow bring in Marco andre Fleury. That'd be both the only way I could see Price leaving town. Um, I mean, yeah, eventually he will. He's it's not going to happen the next two or three years. I don't think it. I'd be shocked if it did. Um, I think you got to move out. You got to decide what you're doing. We can't keep stockpiling young talent. You got to decide who you're given the opportunity to who you think deserves the opportunity. And then you package those young players and a couple of those second round picks or whatever. And you go after and you get a guy like Terra psycho or line or something. You, you, you got to give the other team something that it's not going to hurt them too bad. I, I think a player like lacking is a player, you keep because he doesn't hurt you. He doesn't help on the offensive side, but he doesn't hurt you out there. Um, yeah, like, we've really got to get Tatar off the first line. He's a great player, but he's he's he shouldn't be the team's leading scorer. Um, as far as trades, I mean, most of the guys that I would want to target, it seems like they're going to be locked up. Like, I know Rick really wanted Anthony Mantha. He'd look great here. I, I don't think Troy's going to let him go. And we're not going to give up a ton to get him because we're kind of building at the same time as, as Detroit is. So you got to find this, a team that's really aged out and is looking for youth. Cause that's all we can really provide to any other team is youth. Uh, other than like a guy like Tatar or Domi, those are guys that maybe change the scenery for Domi might be why you get move him out, but you're selling low on him. Um Tatar, you you move him out because is he really gonna be worth the money he's gonna want and is he going to be as good in a year or two after he signs that contract. I, I think that's that's the dilemma. This team has always been kinda of stuck in that limbo of the middle and it's hard to get out of it, especially when you make the playoffs semi frankly or when you do you mess yourself out of a ninth round pick and end up with a 16th round pick or 16th pick sorry, not round um, those kind of things add up after a few years because you're not you're you're, you're you got to take a little more risk at the draft than you normally would if you're picking higher um yeah. i i i think they really got to seriously go after a line a and you pretty much give Winnipeg whatever it is they want. You make sure you keep Cotton Yammy, you make sure you keep, you make sure you keep Miz- Suzuki, and you see what else you can do with it. If it means giving up a few first-round picks for, for the next couple of years, I think I think Montreal has to do that. Especially if they think they're a playoff team. Those first-round picks are going to be 25th, 24th, right? I know a lot of people are, I know Rick isn't a big fan of the uh, going after the uh, RFAs. If you can get a Matt Barzell or a player like that, but then maybe then you have to move out yeah. to Miami if you get a player like that. Cause I think center wise, I think we're okay. I don't think we're great. I think we're okay.
0: Awesome. Okay. My turn. <laughs> okay. Um, Yeah, I can't really disagree. Um, Jeff and I had a couple of conversations on Twitter this week about that subject, actually. We were talking about it. And, uh, yeah, so I'll give you – my opinion is they've got to – obviously they need some scoring up front, there's no doubt. Scoring wingers got to be found somewhere of some kind, whether it's a line A or that caliber or a little lesser, but at least some scoring coming from there. I think they've got to – Definitely address the backup goalie situation. And I, I'm going to lean towards Jeff on the uh, carry price. I, I've i talked about it a couple of times, but I, I can't see them. I can't see them trading carry price right now, unless he specifically comes out and says, I want to be traded. I, think. And I don't think he's that type of uh, guy personally. Uh, so I think uh, they got to. Look at that now, I'm kind of happy with the defense, but I think going after if they can find a stud defenseman out there that's affordable wouldn't hurt him. I know Romanov's gonna be um in next season. I don't think he's gonna make the top two pairing right away anyway uh so you know there's room to um if you can find somebody you know that could be a puck mover and just just compliment Shea Weber. Properly.
2: I think you I could think you go there. I think you could probably get a guy like Latang that has injury issues and stuff for a player like Domi, who yeah. you know what I mean. Like he's gonna, he may, yeah. if he's going to Pittsburgh, he knows his best opportunity on that team would be to play on the wing with Crosby or Malkin, right? They're gonna get him paid. I think that's the kind of move you kind of have to make there, if with a player like Domi. Because if he's dead set on playing center, I just don't see the room for him right now. No, and everything
0: I just heard today, I kind of think that might have something to do with how it goes, too. You never know. Um, so as far as move, who to move out, I don't think uh, – I think you guys pretty much – handle I don't know if I can uh, add anything to that. Um, trade proposals, the only thing I like um, – dealing with teams i think they should look to deal with teams that are up against the cap that need to move contracts so i've been talking about alex killorn yeah he's not that sniper i don't think but i think there's a lot more scoring in him than he's been able to show in tampa because he doesn't get that type of um that type of uh, ice time in that um you know, he's not counted on to be that big scorer, but I think there's more in him there. I like galorn kind of targeted him. Uh, goalie Jake Allen, I, with the way Bennington's shown this, maybe they'll hang out onto him a little longer. I don't know. But maybe you can make a deal, get Jake Allen and Vince Dunn, And there's your defense handled. So those are my proposals. That's it. Okay, let's move on to, uh, quickly if we can, let's talk the offer sheets. We just we just alluded to that. Um, are you in favor of offer sheeting you, uh, to get the player you guys want? Um, and if so, do you have any targets in mind? I'll go with, um, uh, I don't know, who did I start with last time? I'm going to go with um, Jeff this time. I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but that's i we'll
2: I think you do whatever you got to do to get a star player, uh, especially with the cap going to be the way it is for the next couple of years with this COVID stuff. If you have the opportunity to get a young player because he's an RFA, you take the shot. Draft picks, whatever. Montreal's not in a position right now where they have to worry about first-round picks. If they think they're a playoff team, then those first-round picks are going to be in the 20s, hopefully 31st or 32nd when Seattle gets in here. I You got to go for it, in my opinion. Price and Weber deserve an honest shot with with quality players on the ice in front of them. That's just my opinion. True. And they proved, Gallagher too, they proved what they're willing to do this year with this play-in and everything else. They literally drug that team with everything they had. I think you've got to give them a fair shot. And if it means an RFA, then it's an RFA.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Morgan?
3: Morgan? Did we lose Morgan? No, I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're up next. I'm not a fan of these offer sheets. I mean, do they ever really work? That The Aho thing last year was just embarrassing, right? So why not target some UFAs? You know, Taylor Hall is available. Uh, also, Mike Hoffman, who I re- really like um uh, i don't like offer sheets i think that it's something about them that just don't gel well with me you know try to steal a player from a team uh i think it's embarrassing focus on the ufas guys like taylor hall and mike Hoffman. yeah
0: i tend to agree with morgan on that personally i don't think they work anyways this year maybe a little differently because there's teams that are really up against the cap. So like a circuit chef at Tampa Bay, you might be able to get them out of there, but I, I don't feel comfortable with it. Like I want to take a shower afterwards. <laughs> so, so that's my opinion of offer sheets really just, but I don't disagree with Jeff either that sometimes, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get the player you need.
2: Well, it's the fact so, that Montreal just can never seem to get these guys in free agency. Right. And right. That's the part that like, if you're Mark Bergman, you you have to take a shot if there's an opportunity. I think you have to take it, and he proved that last year. I also think he Mickey Mouse that deal. I think it was more of a PR move more than anything, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. if he was really serious about getting Aho, he would have he would have maxed out the the, the offer. Probably. I also yeah. three free agents that I I really think that would be smart to go after I think are Tanov and Toffoli and uh oh I can't remember the other one that I had on my tongue there dadnoff yeah Dadnoff. like those guys instantly make us better they're not top guys but hey maybe they can be like a Mike Camilleri was for this team a few years ago right
0: Okay, cool. Okay, so we're going to end the segment because we're already – it's longer, way longer than I would have thought. We're going to end the segment, take a quick break, and we'll come back and try to do quickly the final segment. So we'll see you guys on the other side. Right, we're back from the final segment of the podcast. Okay, I think we just got waiting for for Morgan to get back in here. So we're gonna start talking soon about the um, the one thing I guess everybody listening to the podcast is probably waiting for us to talk about, and that's the Niskanen hit. There's Morgan. All right, so Morgan's in. So okay, so that uh, Niskanen hit on Brendan Gallagher. Was brutal, as everybody has seen it. I'm sure many times. I think there was a point. I was watching it on Twitter and watching it over and over again. Okay, so what's your guys' opinion? Dirty or accidental? Do you agree or disagree with the suspension? Um, and why? I guess. And uh, how many games would you have given him? And the Department of Safety, uh, player safety, is basically a joke in my opinion here in the NHL. Um. How do you feel about it, and what, if any, changes would you like to see? Jeff, you had some points you wanted to make on the players' union and fines, uh, if I'm correct, so I'm going to lead with Jeff.
2: Well, I'm probably going to be the unpopular guy here. Um, I thought the way Gallagher was playing that game, something like that was going to happen. Do I think he intentionally targeted him in the head? No, I don't. Um the player has done things like this before maybe once or twice. I don't think he's a dirty player though. Um, but Gallagher kind of brings that out in people. I'm not saying he was asking for it, but in a way I am. Um, Gallagher was a little out of control that night. When it comes to the suspension and the fine and all that, I, I didn't think it was enough. If you cause an injury like that and that player's out for the series, then then that player should be out for the series. The 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 perpetrator. He should have been suspended for the if there was a game seven, he shouldn't have been able to play. Um, as far as the fine and everything, well, this is the players union and stuff. They don't want their players getting fined. And they also don't want their players getting suspended. So the players union is is not is going to agree with the NHL when it comes to this stuff on things because they don't, want, the players don't want to be suspended and they don't want to pay fines either. So it's like a catch-22 when it comes to this stuff. It's really easy to sit on your couch and say, oh, he should get 10 games or seven games or five games. The players don't want that either. So when it comes down to player safety, the players play just as big a role and their union plays just as big a role in that as the league does. And I think as fans, we forget that sometimes. Those guys are out there and they're making money. They don't want to be paying. That's true. They don't want to be paying it out in fines and they don't want to be missing games.
3: This is true. Morgan, what do you think? I don't know what it is, but I mean, Galger gets so much abuse every game. He must be full of bruises. He He never gets any penalties called. Against him, right? Um, I don't know if it's his mouth. I know he's pretty yappy, but it seems like the referees have almost like a personal vendetta against Brendan Gallagher. I don't know why. He's the hardest working player in hockey. Um, I think that the NHL needs to improve overall their safety. And uh, I remember back in the 90s, Prestige always talked about, oh no, uh, Lemieux, sorry, about yeah. grabbing and yeah. how. It's ruining hockey. I think that hockey should be more about speed and skill and less about cross-checks for the face and all this chippy stuff, right? They should be calling all that a lot more. And uh, you never get that in baseball or basketball, right? So overall, I think the NHL needs to implement some like, fundamental changes to the game to make it less about how big and tough you are and less about fighting. You know, fighting's way down. And more about skill and speed, so guys like Goal Caulfield can uh, excel. Uh, I was mm. just looking at a video of Caulfield being interviewed by Galger uh, on draft day. Oh, yeah, and I Gall- saw that. Gallagher looks huge next mm. to Cole Caulfield, right? Oh. The kid is small, very small. And I wonder if he can have any success in the NHL if there's that much – chippiness going forward.
1: Good point. Scott, what do you think? Um, as far as the Gallagher hit, it did. It, I don't know if he intentionally meant to like break his jaw, but it did look like he put a lot into it. It, did, it didn't look like he targeted it ahead. It looked like he hit him because Gallagher's a shorter player. I didn't think he meant to hit him in the head. But the fact is, he did hit him in the head. He did break his jaw. I didn't like the fact that he only got one game. Just like Jeff said, if the, if the player's out for the series, that player should at least be out for the series. Gallagher was probably going to get miss, missed more than a series because he would have had to leave the bubble to get surgery. He would have had to quarantine in he wouldn't have been able to be around the team for a while so even if gallagher did miss this philadelphia series and montreal did have to win the philadelphia series gallagher probably would have missed the next series because of this too so habs lost their leading goal scorer like their best goal scorer and all this guy got was one game for it so i don't like that as far as the nhl handing out fines and stuff like that i don't look a lot into that stuff that's not something i focus on myself I'm, i'm more so like watching hockey and talking about prospects and game reviews and reviewing my team and stuff like that but uh I don't really have a, a lot of beef with the player safety, but when it comes to this situation, I don't like the fact that they only gave Niskan in one game. I thought for sure he was going to get the series, like the next two games suspension. Uh, I thought that would have been fair. The fact that they gave him one game and the Habs had Gallagher out for the series, I didn't like that at all. And Goss Spear, who replaced him in the in the game that he was out of, actually played well for Philadelphia in that elimination game. He did actually, and they were thinking that he wouldn't, but he actually. I thought did. that was going to help the Habs. Okay.
0: Yeah, me too. That's what they were saying. So yeah, okay. So my opinion was it dirty or accidental? I don't. I mean, okay. I think it's inherently dirty because it was a cross check. So right away, I think right you can't say well it was. It's 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 an an Ill- Ill- illegal check. So right away, that's a little dirty. But did he mean to get him in the jaw? No. He meant to hurt him. Though. I think that
2: he meant to hurt him.
0: He meant to hurt him. It's a cross check. There's no doubt he meant to hurt him. But I don't think he meant to break his jaw and get him in the jaw. So I'll I'll give that. But One-game suspension, that's bullshit. That's total bullshit. And like you guys said, Gallagher's out the rest of the – it was just two games the rest of the series. He's out the two games for sure. Um, And I think should have been three, maybe four. Um, As far as the Department of Player Safety – I think the problem inherently right there is that you have goons. Basically, they were goons. They were hockey goons. They're maybe a little better than goons, but not much. And that's the guys that are judging this. And their reasoning is, well, they don't. They knew what they were doing, so they know how to judge it. No, personally, I think you need uh, to get someone like a doctor, retired surgeon, maybe a panel of doctors, to actually make the um, the evaluations of what happen there with with hockey players, but you need doctors there too. To I, that's personally what I think should be to judge that. So I just think the Department of Player Safety is a freaking joke, and uh, they got to change that because if you're real, th- these guys are the they're your bread and butter. If you don't have great players, who the hell wants to watch hockey? So I just think it's a mistake. Now, Jeff. You didn't comment on Department of Player Safety, did you? Because if you didn't, uh, I know the fines and all that, but uh, giving you another opportunity if you want to, like what changes you would make there. What
2: changes would I make? Uh, I think you yeah. got to leave it out of the players' hands and, and the NHL's hands. I think you have to go to an outside type of deal because you've got players, like you said, that used to do this kind of stuff. They're the ones judging it and they think, some of them may think, hey, we got away. we did way worse than that 15 years ago, but with concussions right. and stuff today and what we know about them, the NHL should be a lot smarter on how they're going to deal with this going forward because it affects people's lives after they're done playing for the rest of their lives. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it, they
0: got it, They got to take it out of the hands of these players, definitely. Okay, so we're off to our last subject. Finally, we're getting there. Wow. Okay, so uh, so far the bubble's working. There's zero positive tests in the first month, unless there's any tests in the last uh, few days this week. Uh, uh, that, that there's zero positive tests so far. It seems to be a way of getting of completing, like if you have a partially completed season or doing maybe even a whole season. Although to me. It's still a bit of a stretch cuz it's a long that's a lot longer but it looks like you could do it. So if no fans are allowed next season, um how would you guys see them pulling off the 2021 2020-2021 season? Um I'm going to lead on this one. Um okay, I see them going to an intra-conference uh, matchups only, so no crossing over conferences. That way you can keep the same thing uh, essentially is the east co- east bubble and the west bubble you may add and you may split that up into two on the east two on the west uh, that would have to be worked out and i also think there's got to be some way of working in some time off and i don't know how that would work because it's not like they can take a week off go and see their family and come back cuz that wouldn't work but they're going to have to at least even if it's just time off in in the bubble a little bit of time away from the game and not in that, you know, that constant being in that pressure or whatever. However, I'm not using the right term. So I think they can do it. And I think that's how they would probably go about it. So what do you guys think? We're going to start with
1: Scott on this one. Um, if there's no fans for next season, it's really going to suck. I don't think the players are going to be into it as much. I don't think the games are going to be as competitive. They're really competitive now because the players know they're going into this bubble. They're away from their families for a amount of time. But at the end of it, they're going to get a Stanley Cup. They only got to play a couple of rounds of hockey. And if they win those rounds at the end of it, they're rewarded with Stanley Cup. In the regular season, the reward is you make the playoffs. Then you get to play for a Stanley Cup. Are they going to go through an entire regular season in a bubble away from their families? How are all the teams going to have to go to two hub cities and then go back and forth between the hub cities? How are they going to make it work? And, how are the players going to be into it without fans there? Like They can do it for these playoffs. They know there's a Stanley Cup at the end of it, and the way the NHL has it, they have the goal horn and all that, and it sounds like there's fans in the building when they score and all that stuff, but over an 82-game season, it gets taxing throughout the season. The fans are what motivate a lot of these players. They want to do it for their team. They want to do it for the city they play for, and it's just not going to be there. It's just not going to be the same hockey without fans in the building. I'm sure we're all going to enjoy watching it. We're all going to want hockey to watch, but as for the players themselves, are they going to be as competitive? Are they going to want it as much? Is it going to be the same as a regular NHL season? Because I don't think it's going to be anything close to it. it. It will almost be sad to watch without fans for an entire season.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, Jeff, what do you think?
2: I don't think there's going to be a season. I don't see how you can make it work. Not not with so many teams down in the U.S. It's, I just, unless something drastically changes with the health provided in the two countries, I just can't see players giving up their families for an 82-game season, even with breaks and all this other stuff, hub cities. Uh, it works for the playoffs because, like Scotty said, there's, there's a there's a Stanley Cup at the end of that. They all knew it's only for a few weeks, right? It's a couple months. And yeah, I just – how do you tell a player you can't see your kids – Look at MLB, Major League Baseball. Those players said no. And it's – I'm shocked. I thought baseball would definitely – would have been done and over with two or three weeks ago. But the players smartened up, and things are working for them. But I really – I really don't see how it's going to work. Maybe I just can't open my mind far enough to, to be able to figure out how they're going to get it to work. I think it's asking a lot, but hey, if they do get it, and there's no fans, and there's no nothing, Arizona Coyotes versus the Ottawa Senators in the final <laughs> next year. <Those laughs> yeah, really. going to know they, they don't play in front of anybody anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's They're going to need the money. Yeah, listen. Yeah, I,
0: I you know I think the the thing with the families is going to be the big thing. What do you think about
3: that, Morgan? I think that things will be back to normal soon, uh, Miami announced today. Miami Dolphins they are going to allow fans uh, in September. 15,000 fans. I think the stadium holds at least 40,000. Uh, also, Kansas City and Cincinnati are on board. Uh, the CDC just dropped their uh, travel record 14 days self-quarantined. If they're back in school in a couple of weeks, I think we have to embrace nor- normal life. I think in two, three months, it'll just be a, a bad dream. Back to normal completely.
2: I hope you're right. I hard. really hope you're I right. Hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. I'm praying for it. But yeah. I don't know okay. if that's going to happen. It seems like there's a lot of people yeah. want to uh, hang on to this. Everybody stay home and be scared of your neighbor. I'm, I mean, I, I yeah. get it. I understand it. But at the same time, I don't see how you're going to get the two governments. Canada, you're talking about two countries. Canada and the U S yeah. to agree to a lot of the stuff. It's easy for the NHL or the NFL. It's all in the U S.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Okay. So uh, we're going to call that a podcast. So I just want to thank everybody for listening um, out there. Um, I want to thank my guest tonight, Scott, from his YouTube channel, open ice hits with Scotty to hockey. Go check that out. Give him a subscribe. While you're there and uh, Morgan Burton, he is at, uh, you can reach him if you want to contact him or check him out at Twitter at Morgan Burton and Jeff Head, who's just a regular guy. Jeff Head has no uh, Nothing. No, no affiliations for me to talk about. He's just, <laughs> he's a subscriber to the channel, big supporter of the channel as is Morgan and Scotty. And uh, yeah, so we thought we'd all get together and uh, try this podcast stuff. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back, uh, if not all of us, uh, some part of all of us or something, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some um, – well, like I wrote here, some of all these guys uh, – with some new stuff to talk about. I would actually like to do a roundtable breakdown of, um, maybe the um, of the uh, postseason. That's what I'm thinking about. So we'll see what we're going to do next week. I hope everybody will be there. So we'll see you next week. Peace out, y'all and everybody. We'll start with Scotty, then Jeff, then Morgan. Say goodbye, and then we're going
1: we're gonna to say goodbye. Have a great night. Scott. Have a great night, folks. And hopefully Morgan is right about the whole COVID thing and everything gets back to normal because we need Habs hockey next year or less me, me and Rick will be talking a lot about Guy LaFleur and the 70s teams because we won't have no Habs hockey to talk about. <laughs> that that true. Jeff.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. It was nerve-wracking, but it was fun. Thank you.
3: You did a great job all of you. Yeah, good goodbyes. Yeah, thanks so much, gentlemen. This is my first ever podcast and uh, just want to remind listeners to rate you this podcast on the Apple podcast. That can really help you out, Rick. Awesome. Appreciate that you remembered that. I
0: forgot. <laughs> okay, so we're going to check out here tonight. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Peace out, y'all, and have a great week. Bye, everybody.
2: Yay!